0: Tune in. Tone up. The one-stop shop for guitar tricks, tips, techniques, and advice. With me, Gary Shilladay, and my own excellent teacher, Dan Davis. In Guitar Lesson 24, Dan suggests we go back again to look at my blues playing in order to identify some potential weaknesses in my improvisation skills and techniques. Bearing this in mind, we take a blues backing track in E and play over it, then look at some of the things which I should be working on and also some tips and guitar hacks to assist. During the episode there are some suggestions about playing rhythmically, note choice, using the blues note, borrowing from a couple of the modes and practicing some riffs and phrases to be better prepared. How are you? You okay? Yeah, great thanks, Dan. Looking forward
1: to our lesson. Yeah, me too. It's been a while. It feels that way anyway. Um, I had an idea for today. I know sometimes you come up with the ideas, and bearing in mind what we've done, we've gone into so many different directions over the last few months. It'd be good sometimes, I think, maybe to bring it back to basics. The kind of playing that, that we probably all have started with you know in terms of sort of soldering and things like that or most of us like the bluesy end of things the more simplistic end of things just as a little health check really just to see how your regular playing's doing it's so easy sometimes to get caught up in in all of the other stuff and maybe it needs a little bit of a revisit just to see how that side of your playing's sort of working.
0: Sounds great to me yeah I've could definitely do with that we've been shredding and looking at tapping techniques and and...
1: and all the rest of it exactly
0: i mean the thing with the thing with the bluesy stuff
1: is of course okay majority of us sort of know it and love it and all the rest of it but more than that it forms the basis really of so much of what we do on the guitar you know it may not seem so related maybe to to jazz and metal and shred and all that kind of thing but, you know, if you, if you trace the guitar playing on the electric guitar back, you know, you get blues, you get rock and roll. And before that, you know, we had we had sort of big band jazz and that kind of thing. And it's that bluesy phrasing, the vibrato, all that kind of stuff, the, the kind of classic blues licks that we've heard time and time again. They kind of form, for many people, the, the basis of what they do. I remember Joe Satriani saying once when he was interviewed that although he he didn't feel necessarily that the blues men had an awful lot to do with his technical side, which is completely understandable. He said he takes from them their ability to deliver a sort of a message with economy. Yeah. Meaning you don't actually have to say much to say a hell of a lot. Sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, and that's always something on the guitar that I think is very important, is, you know, what you've got to say. and Sometimes you can say it with very few notes and sometimes you can say it with many. And sometimes it's good to step back and just sort of evaluate maybe the finer points of your playing that really stamp you out as an individual player, such as your vibrato, your bending, you know, those sort of things that people recognise. Yep. You could get 10 people, play a fast lick with the same guitar tone, and much as I absolutely love that kind of playing, why you, you will notice differences, I'm sure, in terms of the clarity and the approach, it's probably fair to say that most of us would agree that things like vibrato and that sort of thing are a little more recognisable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know. Vibrato, bending, and and tone, I guess, as well, is one of those things with the blues guys. You just hear it immediately, don't you? You go, oh, that's B.B. King, because it's got this nice sort of woman tone to it. Fat.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I love I love all the shreddy stuff and rock and the metal, and I think it's great. I think there's some players with, with true identity out there. Yeah. Absolutely. But I think most guitar players, with very, very few exceptions, owe some kind of debt to the bluesy phrasing and the good vibrato and all that, which, which has been going a long, old time. You know, you go back to the 60s and listen to John Mayer's Blues Breakers. And I remember hearing Eric Clapton's tone on some of that early bluesy stuff and the other stuff he did around about the same time with other yeah. blues artists. Les Paul treble booster into a Marshall Blues Breaker. And that vibrato and that fat tone, that shaped my sound yeah. forever. Yeah. Even though my playing has very little to do with what Eric Clapton does. That influence that individuality, that you hear one note and it's like, oh my word, that note ain't gonna stop.
0: Gives yeah, you the, the range. It's gotta
1: be, let Les pull for a Marshall.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just lovely, isn't it? But yeah, part, part of the biggest, I
1: personally think for me the biggest challenge with guitar has been finding your voice, where you fit in, what makes you the guitar player you are, why should people recognise you, what's your style. Yep. Yeah. Well, I think what we should do is start with maybe some kind of of jam. Yep, okay. I'm going to see if I can put up a backing track.
0: Okay, we found a backing track on YouTube. We've got a blues shuffle guitar backing track in E from Backing Track TV. <laughs>
1: You, you, so you shouted out something like, tone! Half wow, what three. a
0: tone! <laughs> Is that what it was?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's ripping. It's ripping. It's a great, lot. isn't it? I love all kinds of guitars. I, I love their tones for what they are. Yeah. But, you know, there are certain guitars that fit into certain tonal spaces and just work for certain things perfectly.
0: So Dan's playing in an exotic custom Stratocaster guitar it's, it's really really a sweet machine isn't it i think it's pretty much the alan hines model right um alan
1: hines is a student of scott henderson jazz fusion player yeah and i think it's pretty
0: much his model i saw it and I just maple neck it. is lovely on it
1: isn't it it's gorgeous it's just it's got a quadruple grade tiger stripe maple neck which has been roasted it's just lovely Got locking goto vintage style machine heads which doesn't spoil the look Jess car sort of medium jumbo fret, feel great. 12 inch radius to the fingerboard, so we've got a nice low action. Goto six screw bridge, like a sort of an upgraded remake of the original Fender six screw bridge.
0: Does that go out of tune at all? No. No, <laughs> it's quite...
2: Um
1: Leading question, obviously. <laughs> Raw Vintage, who are also part of the Exotic family, who who make extras for guitars, parts. We've got their bridge saddles, their pickups, RV60 single-cores, which have a little bit more clout than the RV50s. Yeah, and a humbuck in the path. We've got also the Raw Vintage springs, and nitrocellulose finish, relicking. It's just a really great strap. It, yeah. That's basically what it is, but it it just plays like butter, and it just has this fantastic tone. Yeah. It, it plays like a new guitar without being, without being a super strap per se, but just has this old tone, and that's kind of the way I like my guitars. I like them to play nice. You know, yeah. I've got a Les Paul, and that still plays real nice, but it sounds like an old guitar.
0: Yeah, and that's what I want. I want it to sound old and feel. Yeah, new. you've got some variety in choice, haven't you? There. I
1: have, yes, yes. That's why the bank manager doesn't like me. <laughs> so we were playing over this backing. There's a few things that I noticed, but I wanted to, you know, if you notice what's right or what's not quite so great in your own playing, that's obviously a, yeah. a better way to go than me having to point it out to you. So what did you like about what you did? What did you not like? Where did you think your weak spots were? What did you think your Your good bits were. What can we work on?
0: Okay, let's uh, let's have a think about it, shall we? Um, I think occasionally I was was rhythmically a little bit out, and on occasion, note choices were a little bit chromatic, shall we say, (laughs) to make it (laughs) sound positive. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) So that was (laughs) happening. That was happening. (laughs) I kind of started off with the mixolydian. And then I tried to mix a bit of E Dorian and E Mixolydian together. Mm -hmm. I tried to follow the changes a little bit and use the pentatonic in B and A. Uh, So I think that that was a good thing to do, but could be more polished. Some of the bends were a little bit out. My movement around the board isn't too confident. Okay, so we've got a few things that that we can fix here, haven't we? Yeah, okay.
1: I see a lot of guitar players... Through the course of my teaching and i hear a lot of guitar players when you play in a band as i do you know you you hear people on the scene and you know what people are capable of what they're good at what they're not good at we've all got stuff to learn let me get that out there now you know i'm not saying that i know absolutely everything and i've got all the answers but i think it's fair to say that i've been around for long enough and played for long enough in a professional capacity to be a fair judge and also, there is that thing, if someone wants something to sound a certain way, it's not necessarily up to me to fix it, if that's what they meant to say. If they wanted it to sound a little bit jarring or disjointed or a bit weird, you know, this lesson is more about the sort of, I suppose, straightforward blues playing, in a way. But, you know, like if you, if you get a, a guy that's, that's got a funny style, you know, there are some people who've got a funny, edgy style, and you'd wreck it if you went and tried to smooth it out. Yeah. yeah, that's their style, that's what they do. But at the same time, most people want to play in time, however odd their style is, and they want to play things that sound good. And here we're looking at a fairly regular blues shuffling E and what we can play over the top of it. And there's a lot of players, I think, find themselves in your position. They know a few scale shapes, they know a few extra yeah. bits and bobs, they can certainly solo, they can certainly improvise, and everything does kind of... it's sort of all there... But it's a bit like the difference... Meandering.
0: (laughs) Meandering. (laughs) Yeah, well, I remember... It's so hard to
1: get away from it, isn't it? I remember Guitarist magazine once accusing Eric Clapton of of sleepwalking through the lay-down sally. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bit like the difference between somebody who's, like, an okay cook, but not amazing, and then you get Jamie Oliver. Yeah. And they both have the same ingredients laid out in front of them. They both have the same options. One person's dish is... Yeah, it's all right. And one person's dish is like, that's amazing. What separates the two? They both have the same ingredients.
0: A little, so, little bit more forethought, uh, a little bit more...
1: experience. Experience, The yeah. way they put it together, you know. It, you can have all of the same things in there and it just not quite get across the way you want it to.
0: Yeah, gotcha.
1: You know, so it, it's how we kind of then fix, not necessarily the note issues, not necessarily like you're playing the wrong note, but could you play a better note? Yeah. So not that you're playing one that doesn't work technically and theoretically, but could you play a note that's a better fit yeah. over a chord? Could you angle your playing so that the
0: licks have a better timing to them? So let's look at some what of the was, things. What would be nice is if I could spot a few things that you were doing and then when it comes back to me, have a go at them. But I'm not quite there. Or, i try. But I, will, I can slow things down and let, let let's look at
1: a few things. Yeah. I'll, I'll show you a few things that maybe okay. you can do. I think in places, and I know this sounds incredibly rich coming from me because, because of, <laughs> <laughs> I do like to play fast. It's kind of fun. I do I do like shredding. It out. It's it's great fun, and there's some, some really great you know jaw dropping guitar playing to be had in that in that yeah. area. But it's all got to be, you know, if you think like a session musician, you can't whiz on a Picasso. Yeah. If something doesn't fit the mood or the style, then it's best not to do it. Like, not every song deserves a guitar solo. Yeah. So you don't have to put one in where there wasn't one there before, for example. That's an extreme example. Every song really does. (laughs) (laughs) But there are times when a fast section... Or a kind of a swift bunch of notes or something very clever modally can really lift a solo. And so you also have to ask, you know, if, if I play a whole bunch of notes and they're a bit of a mess, am I? or even if I'm playing a whole bunch of notes and they're really tidy, is that adding to the solo or is that detracting from the solo? Does that fit in with what I want to say in that song or does that grind against it? Yeah, okay. Right? If you're a session musician and you're playing over a pop rock track, your solo probably wants to be captivating, melodic, exciting, and concise. And apart from possibly like a swift lick going up to a final bend or something like that, that that's probably where the speed stuff is going to end. Whereas if you had a very fast country shuffle, you know, a whole bunch of chicken picking and fast playing might absolutely suit the mood of it you're almost echoing sort of bluegrass violin with that kind yeah, of style, yeah. aren't you? Yeah, so in this case, we're looking at a bluesy shuffle. It's not really the preserve of really fast playing, I wouldn't say. It's not yeah. It's not like a country shuffle that's really quick. So one thing I noticed you're doing, well, I think maybe you're overcomplicating it a bit. Yeah. You're using Dorian, but you're doing what I did when I first learned Dorian, which is you want to use all of it. So you get... So you're getting all of these notes.
2: Yeah, okay.
1: Now, all of those will fit, but some will fit a lot better. Now,
0: I notice you going down
2: to the F sharp
0: and the C sharp. Yep. Um, now, if you could play C-sharp me... C sharp over A it's going to be good, isn't it? Yep, that's going to work. It's the speed of thinking sometimes, yeah. Now, can you do something really simple for me?
1: Just play me an E chord... What we're going to do, we're going to listen to every note in Dorian, and we're going to listen to the effect that it has against.
0: So we'll make it a seven. Or... Either one will do. Yeah. Okay.
1: Probably a straight E. I would say just keep a straight E. So E against E is your root note. Pretty yep. straightforward. F sharp yeah. sounds a bit weird. It's yeah, it does it's sound. Out, but it's just it's one of those ones we want to keep as a passing note possibly. Yep the G sounds horrible on its own because it's conflicting with the G sharp in the chord but as we all know if we played it up there we'd resolve yeah okay or bend it up a little bit So the the major Yeah. gotcha A next one a sort of hanging because it's longing yeah. to get back to G sharp. B. That's in there. So B, yeah, fairly strong, it's the fifth. Okay, then we've got a C sharp. Yeah. On. the seventh. Yeah. So that's. So your C sharp is the sixth, it's so a major sixth. Siege is a seven, so that works. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And then the E again. Okay. Now, the reason we're doing this exercise, and I know this is supposed to be a... It's good a, to hear it rather than just think it, though, actually. Is isn't, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. When you're looking, I know it's a kind of back-to-basics blues lesson. Yeah. With a few extra notes. So for those checking out the Dorian mode, that's root, second, flat third... 4th, 5th, 6th, flat 7th, back to root again. In the case of E, that's E, F sharp, G, A, B, C sharp, D, and then back to E. Those give us a couple of extra notes over the normal pentatonic that we can use. Whenever you add in extra notes over something, it gives you more scope, but it also gives you more scope for things to sound bad. The minor pentatonic is like shooting fish in a barrel. Every note's give or take pretty much a winner. You can't really go wrong with it. If you can play a minor pentatonic solo and sound make it sound like a sack of crap, then perhaps you should take up knitting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, although you want to play it with a nice tone and feel, every note kind of works quite well. Yeah. You know, over what you're likely to play it over, I would say. Whereas once you add in the notes from Dorian they're going to fit better over some chords than others. Like you said, C-sharp, all oh, that would be perfect over the A. Right, well, you've kind of said it yourself, so you kind of would target that note maybe to be played over an A. Or you might sort of use it as a starting note and then bend to a more meaningful note over the E. So I'm on the 14th fret of the C C-sharp D. going to a D, yeah. yeah. So I'm going to the 7th. And Then maybe result to the E. over the A yeah now then if you kind of as you went to the A change so I am on the 15 there where we left off bending up and releasing coming down to the 12 and bending back up to the C sharp
0: to go into the A yeah. yeah Do you see what like I mean? A, yeah.
1: So we're getting a little more savvy with our choices. Yeah. You can also use that if you want a slightly discordant sound. You can mix the fourteenth fret on the top string with the fourteenth fret on the B string, the fifteenth fret on the top string, giving yep. you like almost like an A seven, the C sharp. And G, yeah I can see that now. Push them up slightly. And then three frets higher. So it's 17 and 18 on the top two. Bend it up slightly. Then it's 15 on the top E. Then 17 on the E. And then the 14 and 15, bent up slightly, and 12 and
2: 12.
1: Yeah. So there you've got actually the top of a diminished chord. Oh yeah. So, it's very easy to get carried away with scales. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember doing it myself. I'm going going to be very clever and I'm going to go from this scale to this scale to this scale to this scale. Yeah. Sometimes the problem is that we end up making things sound really scaly. Now, if you're playing fast stuff, the high likelihood is that you're going to follow some kind of scale pattern. Otherwise, it's just not going to work. Yeah. And or you'll be following some kind of arpeggio or something like that. So you'll be either playing notes in or around a chord or around a scale, yeah, so if you're gonna play a fast lick as much as you want it to sound exciting and stuff, you know to get that trickle of notes going down at a high speed or going up the treble at a high speed, mm. you're
0: gonna have to adhere to something aren't you so yeah, Do you see what I mean so like a three note per string thing, yeah. Yeah, that was a bit of a weird one, so I kind of had
2: three, four mm.
1: and threes. Ah, right, and okay, nice. Crafty, <laughs> crafty butcher. However, that's sort of a given, I think, with fast playing, is, yeah. it, is that there are going to be elements that sound not like you're necessarily running up and down a scale per se, but that there's a definite scale format being yeah. used. When you're playing over blues... Obviously the vibrato the feel those those are prime elements and then your note choices are also very very important but you don't want it to sound like that yeah that's just no good that does sound like what well, I am running a Dorian mode yeah
3: <laughs>
2: yeah
0: it's not really this sort of pla- yeah okay no. gotcha yeah it
1: would be fine if I was using. You say I wanted to put a fast lick in, you know, <laughs> and that was it. But I wouldn't want to bimble along with the track. <laughs> it just doesn't sound very
0: good. You said, you said a fast good. lick, then maybe a bend at the end. Yeah, uh, where we put the fast licks
1: in is something we can look at in a second. But what we can do with modes, which I think is a more successful way of using them, yep. especially in a blues format at least, whereas when we're playing maybe lots of notes, we need to know. How we can get the notes in quick succession. We need to look at the whole mode. Because the notes are swinging by quite fast. So if we're playing something in Lydian. If it's not melodic and it's got more. Shreddy edge. Then we need to know what notes
2: come after.
1: If you see what I mean? But in the blues... It's about the feel
0: more, isn't it? It's... Yeah, in
1: the blues we're better off being selective with the notes we use from our mode. Yeah. So like say we're playing in Dorian. Treat it like a pentatonic. And then interject with the other notes when they're useful.
2: So I'm
1: gonna hit the C sharp there. On the eleventh fret of yep. the D, followed by the twelfth fret of the G. Which outlines an A7 chord, so that would go for a chord change. All that was pure pentatonic.
3: science yeah.
1: yeah and also push up that no come oh, like a curl.
0: welcome okay
1: I'm just going down the scale, 15 and 12 on the top two, and then bending up,
0: bending up to there again. Bending up to the no, so just from to the 15 it. on the B. Oh yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if it's just me, but
1: sometimes when I've taught guitar players, the one thing I've noticed a lot with improvisation, I don't know if it's a confidence thing, yep. I don't know if it's a technique thing, I don't know if it's not having the confidence because they don't know what note they're going to hit when they bend. People seem to bend a lot less than I do. Yeah, I, yeah, I genuinely yeah, yeah. don't know. But I, you know, when you listen to country players... They're yeah, often bending up to notes because you get all those country bends, you know? all <laughs> well,
2: that kind yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And that to me just sounds great because bending is so much to do with the character of a player. And so identifiable with that player.
0: Stick loads of bends in, because well, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: But but maybe something that's a little different, like yeah. I'll, rather than target a note like this, which I will do sometimes. You can do a similar leg bend to that final yeah, note. Yeah. That's giving you the option to kind of do a bit of a country bend as well. Sorry, twelve fifteen on both, and then
0: so that's the straight version. Or and you're doing it with your third finger. So to start the lick the same,
1: then go down to the twelve. One thing I've I've noticed over the years as well with my own playing is you get to a point where you have an idea in your brain of how you want it to sound yeah. and rather than always letting the fingers do the talking and leading the way with your scale choices and things yeah. you have an idea of how you want things to sound you know the sound of a note and what it's going to sound like over a chord but you, you don't want to just say play that note, you want to have the lick do what you want it to do land where you want it to land yeah the bends to target the notes you want them to target because also it's not just about where you are now it's what else you can do that playing it straight you would maybe finish that in a bluesy way it becomes like a classic bluesy Carry you on so you could carry on with it in a bluesy way, or you could go the other way with the bend I put in on the end. Now let's finish it like a country player. Yeah. Or whatever. Bending from C sharp to the D. So what I had there was after I bent that one there, the final C sharp note of the 12. Got a little finger on the top string of the 12. G string the the slide, ten on the B, nine on the A, and then either that, which is nine on the D, bend the G up from the seven to nine,
2: or so. Yeah,
0: okay. So that's um.
1: yeah that's this if you rest gently on the bridge of a a tremolo bridge guitar you can keep the bridge still so you don't have that horrible notes. that's it or you can go for the higher bend at the end Ways to go with it. So you notice as well that I'm thinking chordally. Yes. So when we're thinking of adding these notes in, actually spending a little bit of time, like we did at the beginning, playing an E chord and then playing the notes in the Dorian mode over the top, yeah, is well worth doing. Because if I played the A chord and we played the same notes. First note of our Dorian mode, the E now becomes the fifth. F is now the major sixth, so that actually fits quite nicely. G is the seventh, so that fits nicely. A is the root of A. B is the ninth, so it's got that kind of I want to go somewhere kind of feel to it. C is in the chord, the C sharp, in the chord of A. D is now the hanging note, the battery, which is the fifth. So, yeah. in some ways, there are less problematic notes, notes in that scale on going over the A. Yeah,
0: okay, gotcha, yeah. You
1: know, and you can also come up with quite creative patterns based on that. I don't know if you've ever thought about doing this, but you know you've got the normal E minor
2: pentatonic scale.
1: Yeah. That one. Well, check this out. So I actually use twelve and fourteen
0: all the way up, all the yeah. way up, yeah. So it's just.
1: Do the next two for up, 14 and 16. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. If you actually did at that point, I hope it would be the F sharp minor pentatonic. It's our hack, there, folks.
2: <laughs> the B minor pentatonic. <laughs>
1: That's the F-sharp,
2: minus-sharp,
1: sharp. That. that's me. Now resolve bass for
0: isn't it that? <laughs> it is really um,
1: yeah it just gives you a few patterns you know you can do patterns obviously within the E minor pentatonic scale yeah. that's fine that works you know over the E you've got
2: that <laughs>
1: well you can play that it'll work because there's a there's a tension in that slightly out of tune note that works especially when you bend it up towards the target you know <laughs> yeah However, you can also, with the E, if you want to keep it in the pocket, yeah. you could always change a G for a G sharp. So here yeah. we're kind of borrowing from Mix and Lydian. And again, I'm trying to get away from that idea that you play every note in the scale. So just
0: think of the E chord. You know, well, yeah, again. I think- Quarterly in that way,
1: yeah. So you're just swapping out a note, so yeah. or even just for single lead. <laughs> You're going to wash over the A, so you need to make a little adjustment, just like it wouldn't kind of totally work, really, if you are playing Mixolydian over every yeah. single chord, unless you were moving the Mixolydian scale with the chords. Yes, yeah. With your note options, your note choices, without kind of trying to get too technically involved here, what I'm basically saying, because we want people to be able to kind of pick up on what we're doing here, really, and we don't want to get getting too bobbed down in, in sort of the theory of it all. Know that there are several things, several approaches you can use over like a twelve bar. There is your minor pentatonic, simple, beautiful, wide intervalic leaps between some of the notes, three fret jumps between some of them. A very usable and simple scale. Now it's funny. I had a conversation with my nephew recently, and he said, "Oh, fire a pentatonic kind of bland." And I sort of said to him, "Do you know what? I remember thinking exactly that way." Yeah. But one of the ways that you can kind of embrace it a little bit is, you know, if you're getting a bit bored with the same old shape, is turn it on its head. If you're playing it in a bluesy way, you know, try playing some of those quarter-tone bends that we were talking about. And that kind of brings the bluesy side alive. If you're wanting to make it a bit more of a rock-tastic thing, you can always turn it into more of a shred thing by doing a three note string
2: version of the scale yeah
0: Uh, yeah, that sounds good doesn't it, really sweet yeah it's a little different
1: So you're playing it in a slightly more technical fashion. Yep. If you're looking at the blue scale, blue scale adds in, of course, that like,
2: mm-hmm. flat and fifth
1: note. So it adds in the B flat in the key of E, adds in the E flat in the key of A, the yep. F in the key of B and so on. So when you're using that note, you can either linger on it,
2: <laughs>
1: trying the audience to feel your pain. Yeah, yeah, you know, bending from it in a kind of Jason Becker way is cool. If you wanted to sound a little exotic, my yeah. notes are simple, that I'm not doing anything yes, yeah. fancy here, you know. It's funny, people always think that
0: you're doing something fancy, that's just you. It's it's repeating it with enough confidence that it's coming across. Yeah, sort of and doing something that the other the guy theme.
1: hasn't thought of, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Simple as that. But you can also pass through that note.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so you don't even it's like a flavour.
2: So it may be jinglish, I place. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so you've got more of a typical bluesy sort of way of using it if you add dorian into the equation the dorian mode you're adding in the key of e you're adding in a, a c sharp note and an f sharp note so be a little bit cautious a little cautious over certain chords i would very much advise you if you're jamming with a mate if he's got a bit of patience and you both have a kind of aptitude for learning get him to play like one chord like you did for me listen to the sound of the notes over each chord. Yeah. It will improve your note choices tenfold. Because if you don't know how a certain note sounds or what effect it has on a chord, how are you ever going to target the right one?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: That makes perfect sense. It does it's really. A great bit of advice, yeah. And every chord within a piece, the notes within the scale or scale choices that work, all the different notes, will have a different impact over the different chords. Yep. So, in some places, a note that is a third, a minor third or a major third in one chord, is possibly going to be the root of another and so on. And so, the difference that a root note sounds like over a chord is quite marked, as opposed to the difference of, say, something that's spelling out a third. When yeah. you when you have a root note, a root note is a bit more ambiguous. Is my chord a major or a minor? Well, I don't know. You decide. Yeah. Whereas, when you have a major or minor third in the equation you are absolutely spelling out what the chord is
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. there
1: can be no ambiguity there whatsoever you you you're telling the listener even if they don't know it that it's a minor or major chord again the seventh note has that kind of ambiguity because the seventh is the same be a chord minor or major yeah and so on so gotcha. some some harmony some harmony notes in other words if you've got your root note the distance between that note and The other note is creating some kind of harmony together. That makes for either a very strident sound or very melodic sound or fairly straightforward sound, depending on what note is being implied over what. Yeah, okay. I've often played in a three-piece. And when I play in a three-piece, I have to be really, really super aware of what the chord structure is that I'm soloing over. Because I need to follow it. Now, yep. this brings me on to a very important point. Yep. And this would be a good little thing to go over. Where we choose, maybe over a blues, to put in more interesting licks, where would you put them in? If you're going to
0: put in something a bit more notey, where would you put it in? Probably just before the change to another chord. Right. So, a lot of truth in that. So. And at the end of the 12 bars as well, going into the next 12 bars. Okay. So, on the turn round. What
1: do, the, what do drummers tend to do when something important is going to happen in a
0: tune? Uh, they'll do a fill just before it, won't
1: they? Quite often a fill, or it might be a hit on the cymbal, or yeah. you might find there's some slightly different dynamics. And sometimes that's a good opportunity for you listen to the drums, you to listen yeah. to the drums. And, and to put your feeling in that place. Reason being that then that's sort of rolling along with the rest of the band. So I'm I'm going to do a round. Yep. And then we'll swap season so forth and see what happens yeah, okay. this time.
3: Cool. Cool.
2: <laughs>
0: still
1: but the thing is with, with playing even something simple and doing yeah. it well there's a few things to remember and that is rhythm yeah. you know the rhythm of your licks the rhythm of the piece you can go against the rhythm of the piece you can go with it and you can do rhythmic displacement where you play a, a rhythmic figure with an odd number of notes yeah. something like fives you
2: know. <laughs>
3: So I've got one two three four five, one two three
1: four four five. And then finish on the rip. So we have done
2: fives all the way.
1: Nice because they kind of bend and twist yep. sort of around the rhythm and, and kind of throw things out of sync, which is kind of cool. So rhythm, rhythm is very important in terms of yep. also how your licks flow. If you think of a drummer, if you were playing with a drummer and every time he did a fill, he was a quarter of a beat out. It's somebody pushing your back every time you yeah. do a drum fill or something, you know, distracting you. It can be the same with the guitar lick. If you don't get it quite sort of rhythmically correct it doesn't mean it has to be straight but it means that you know you've got so many beats in your bar however many beats there are in the bar you're you're playing against and you want to kind of rhythmically fit in with that so it fits in nicely even if you've got something like rhythmic displacement which kind of carries you want to be
0: hitting the first first note of each barrel or whatever or at least rhythmically round. sort of in yeah. you know and, and not, not sort of out of time
1: yeah. you know you want to land at the place that you want to land and the notes in between want to be in the place they want to be at if you're playing a lick so if I was to play that you know i'm all out that's of time that's out yeah it, yeah it kind of doesn't convey the same it doesn't have the same kind of vibe it's a little yeah, yeah, disjointed yeah. it's a little like when you're having a conversation with someone and their conversation flows as opposed to and no offense to anyone who stutters out there but when you have a conversation with someone who's got a bad stutter it's harder yeah. to follow isn't it and it, it takes more concentration and it doesn't quite flow as nicely. So when you're playing, you kind of don't want your playing to stutter like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get stutter, stuttery playing in a good way. Like, like Jim, Jimmy Page. Yeah, where, <laughs> yeah. Where, where there's a certain kind of free time to it.
2: Yeah.
1: Where it's meant to have that de- 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 de kind of sound. hits the key sort of accents where you want it to so you, you want to try and make your rhythm with something quite concise might be a good idea to work with the backing track or even work some of your licks metronome. out yeah, yeah with yeah. a metronome just, just to kind of check that you're in time I don't think that the metronome is the be all and end all but it's a tool that can be used yeah
0: okay I'll do that
1: so there's the rhythm of each lick a little bit of pre-thought so with, with the bluesy licks even maybe strip back to a simple lick know. Yeah. <laughs> think how can I play that in a million different ways
2: yeah
0: no it's just a couple of notes yeah but
1: putting them rhythmically where you want them within a piece yep so even if I was to run this just for 20 seconds and play that over it I'm going to play that lick simple lick it's a, good isn't it's it it's a dumb lick <laughs> yeah. but it's where you put it yeah you know sometimes some people's playing sort of sounds a little bit to me like when you've recorded something on Logical or cubase and you've cut and pasted it into slightly the wrong place yeah you know and it just it, it's all there but it just doesn't hang right timing yeah, timing yeah, yeah, is yeah, a, yeah. is a big Timing's deal yeah, it's yeah. a big deal note choices just be aware of what you're using over each chord You don't have to play a note from the chord, but be aware of the sounds that the notes make over each chord, and be aware that when you change chord, the sounds that sounded great over an E chord within your scale will now take on a different edge. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They will not be quite the same. Yeah. If using extra notes, such as ones in Mixolydian and Dorian, by all means use them, but just try and maybe... And this is easier, I think, for players, especially for maybe a a less technical background of guitar playing is rather than worry about adding all of the notes all of the time drop in one or two get used to maybe adding those top notes in the dorian the the f sharp on the 14th fret of the top string and the c sharp because that way if you're playing the blues note as well the 15th fret of the g you've got 12 14 and 15 on the top three how easy is that so there's there's a hell
0: of a lot of variation just there, isn't there, with those eight notes. Absolutely. The only
1: actual one I added was the root note there, E on the 14th fret of the D. But you, you can drop those notes in very easily, being it's a, a symmetrical pattern, and just try them over the different chords. The F sharp's going to sound great over the B, because it exists in the chord. Same with the C-sharp over over the, the A chord. A. Yeah, The bluesy note is there, it'll give you a little bit of a flavour, and you can always bend the G up to like a G-sharp to Ish. fit yeah. perfectly over the E. Uh, or just play it as it is if you want that friction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just
2: drop Loves a few cool notes stuff. in
1: loads of things you can yeah. do yeah, yeah. whatever you can duplicate on the top E string you can duplicate on the bottom E string yeah. so 12 14 15 it's going to work down there yeah.
0: very symmetrical isn't it in that shape yeah. yeah.
1: so even that even though it's not including the C sharp on the 11th fret of the yeah. D and the F sharp on the 11th fret of the G it's still giving you a whole bunch more options So think of that. As you quite rightly said earlier, when when you're listening to a piece, I realise when you're starting out with soloing, and this is a bit more of a sort of towards the intermediate, off the beginner ladder kind of thing, but when you're starting out with soloing maybe in a more advanced way, hopefully by then you'll have a little brain space left to deal with the other things that are going on. So when you're trying to play, rather than just worrying about the techniques of playing, Maybe play something real simple, but really listen to that backing track or that band. Really listen to what the drummer is doing. And yeah. also what the vocalist is doing. Vocalists often trail their lyrics off and in, yeah, into yeah. other parts of the bar where maybe your guitar solo starts. There's a, a really cool solo. It's Gut- Guthrie Govan playing with a couple of other other guys. Um, right. The band was called G- GPS... And the first track on the album, the album's called "Window to the Soul." If you want to buy it on Amazon, it's an amazing album. The first track, the singer sings a note just before the solo, and the guitar comes in with exactly the same note.
2: <laughs>
1: and usually, you'd think that would just sound hideous, but it's like one blends straight into the other, and it's very, very clever.
0: Yeah, that sounds yeah. good.
1: That sounds really yeah. good. If you don't think about these things, you know, I had a years ago. I had a recording session that got cancelled because I had worked out an acoustic guitar part and the guy who was organising the session realised that as great as that acoustic guitar part sounded because I hadn't heard the vocals, there was a note in it which collided with what the vocals were doing. And in the studio on the fly, I had to completely rethink what I was doing and choose a different note or miss it out altogether because it just didn't work with the vocals. So when people sing, especially if they're not a guitar player, if their vocal performance is, is starting to trail off into your solo be ready for that clock what note that they they're singing and kind of find something complementary rather than maybe sort of blast all over the top of them or whatever yeah i mean yeah. if blasting is working because they're blasting and you're blasting then great but it's yeah. just one of those little shiny points to remember when you change chord as you say the drums usually hit a cymbal or two or do a drum fill, often at chord change points or at more dramatic places in a tune, because it's anticipation something's going to happen. Yeah. So it's like the warning sign on a road, you know, something's going to happen here. And so for that reason, it can be sometimes a really good moment to put in a lick which either kind of leads you to that next chord or to that next section, or maybe a faster lick which fits in with the more frenetic nature of that drum fill. Yeah. So in fact sometimes if you get a if you get a really good drummer, if they're listening to what you're doing and you're listening to what they're doing, you can follow each other and the rhythm of your feel can match the rhythm of theirs and that's super effective. It can really, really work.
0: Yeah, I bet, that's, I bet that feels like gold, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, when I work <laughs> with a drummer who does that and, and he knows the kind of licks I tend to put in and when you can hear me going into one, he responds. That's cool, isn't it? It is. Or if yeah. he's doing a drum fill, I will do likewise in return. It's it's a it's a good reciprocal arrangement, and it could it could do wonders for your solo because it means that you sound rehearsed, you sound together, yeah, and you thought about what you're doing. You have got to remember when you're playing a solo, you're not a satellite, totally detached from what the band is doing. Yeah, yeah.
0: Zooming off into space
1: or something. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're very much part of that arrangement. Yeah. And your your playing needs to kind of sort of blend with that arrangement. If I'm playing over something I don't know, I will always go in softer rather than harder because I can then use my ears to get a measure of what else is happening. Yeah, and listen to what other things are going on in the track and respond.
0: Yep, you know sounds. Like, great advice, all of it, yeah. Well, I hope I hope so. But Yeah, yeah there's so, some really interesting stuff there to think about. Yeah, I think, I think for
1: people starting out, dropping in the odd new notes, being aware of the rhythm of your licks, these are the important things, and also maybe pre-prepare some licks. When we talk about improvising, there's improvising and there's improvising. Am I improvising? Well, I've never heard this track before, and I am playing
0: what I want to play. So kind of, I am. Yeah. But at the same time. You've played over a, t- a blues turnaround and you've played <laughs> over this and that a million times before. That's like. right. And so it's kind of like being presented with. Some familiar territory, almost.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not like going into a pub and the menu's gobbledygook and then what you order is nothing you've ever tasted before. You know, this is cottage pie, but just done in a different way. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. So how I put it together on the day or whatever might be different. If I rehearsed this song with a band enough times, maybe I'd come up with some, some new stuff. But I guess some of the licks, the approaches, things like the... That sort of thing, like the double stop kind of country.
2: That's
1: four, three. That's a lick, obviously. I've played before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know the the classic blues
2: licks.
1: Fairly standard. Yeah. I went to the F by mistake there, folks. Sort of standard fare, those sort of licks, aren't they? Really. So yeah, I I guess I sort of thought about some of those before, and I've dropped them into the tune. But also, I've blended with the rhythm in the tune and the kind of feel of the tune to make my licks fit.
0: Yep. Gotcha. Great, great advice. No worries. Thank you very much. Helpful to you. It's really helpful. (laughs) It's really useful to go over it all again. Thank you very, very much, Deep. No worries. Stay tuned for more episodes, jams, improvisation ideas and well-informed thoughts about amps, pedals and guitar tone. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a review on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud or see our website on tunein-toneup.com. Here you'll find show notes, tabs and further research and resources. It's also a good place to get in touch. We hope you're finding these lessons as interesting and as useful as I do and if you have any suggestions, we'd love to hear them.